that he has a purpose and a plan, praise God. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 13 today. I'm reading from the NIV, and we're going to start with verse 11. You'll have to forgive me. I don't feel like I have the strongest voice in the world, um, honestly. And I just sang uh, probably too hard in all these worship songs. So if my voice doesn't, Lord bless, if my voice starts giving out, the Lord will have to make a way. But Romans 13 and 11, it says, And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. If I could draw our attention to a couple of phrases from these verses, Verse 11, it says, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. And verse 14 says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to take for a topic today, wake up and get dressed. If you look at somebody, you know I like to make you talk to somebody every once in a while. If you look at somebody and say, wake up and get dressed. Praise God. We're going to pray as you're seated. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the purposes that you have for us today. In this time, God, we just want to hear from you. Lord, I want to get out the way. I don't want my flesh to be a barrier. God, we want our hearts, our minds, our spirits to be open to receive what you have for us in this hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray your will be done, God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Father. We see here in the text that the writer Paul is appealing to the Roman church, admonishing them to be aware of the times that they're living in. Paul draws their attention to the fact that time is winding down. He says, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. And he's speaking of the day when Christ will return. And Paul tells them that our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And as I read these words, I can't help but be keenly aware of how they ring true and they apply all the more 
to the time we're living in today. I don't think I'm the only one who can look around and see that the day of Jesus' coming is upon us. And that our salvation, speaking of the day when God completes his saving work in our lives, that marvelous day is nearer than when we first believed. And mind you, I am purposeful in referring to that day as a marvelous one. Because we can make the mistake of dreading the coming of the Lord. We can get so caught up in the life that we're living here on earth with all of our temporal goals and our earthly luxuries that we can lose focus of the fact that there is a day ahead of us. There is a glorious day that we can look forward to. And when my life is committed to Jesus, I don't have to be fearful for that day to come. Because when it does come, I know that I will be ready. And I know that I can look forward to it because when Jesus comes back, my salvation will finally be complete. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here today? Is there anyone who's looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and you have the privilege of seeing your Savior face to face? I hope that all of us who have the Spirit of God living on the inside can say that we're excited for the day when that saving work that he's been doing in our lives will finally come to completion. Hallelujah. Paul had this confidence, and so he didn't have to talk about that coming day in terms of doom and gloom, but he could rightfully call it a day of salvation. Can anybody give God glory today? Because we've got something to look forward to, because we have a hope. There's a day of salvation that is upon us. Praise God. Looking back at the passage, I see that Paul in verse 11, he calls for the Roman church to understand the time that they were living in. And in having this understanding, they would recognize that the hour had already come for them to awake from their slumber. And it's crucial to be aware of the present time because we have to understand that this understanding, it's going to impact the way that one lives out their lives. This is why he goes on to say in verse 13 that we have to live decently and turn away from sinfulness. He says, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He says, let us not engage in carousing and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery and dissension and jealousy. And mind you, he just listed all those things off and he's talking to the church. Some of us might scratch our heads and we say, well, wait a minute, I, I just heard some of the things on that list and they don't sound very saintly to me. He's talking about drunkenness and sexual immorality and jealousy and wait a minute, Paul, I, I don't know why you're bringing that stuff up to the saints. You're talking to church folk, right? 
But Paul tells the people of God to turn from these deeds of darkness because, yes, while we have the spirit of God working within us, we still have the ability to succumb to our flesh. And so Paul is telling the saints of God, wake up from your slumber. Turn away from the sin that you're in. Now is not the time to be given over to drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery now is the time to turn to God it's time to put on the armor of light it's time to look forward to our day of salvation can anybody praise God if you believe his word today it's time for us to wake up and get dressed Paul says understanding the present time he's calling them to understand the time that they're in and the same is all the more necessary for us today we must understand the present time because that understanding is going to affect how we approach each day it's going to have bearing on the decisions that we make from moment to moment. It's going to impact how we choose to live out our lives. Yes, I may be equipped through the power of the Holy Spirit that's within me to live righteously. And my love for Jesus should be enough to keep me abiding in his word. But would you not agree that even the, the most well-equipped and well-trained athlete has the tendency to play with more vigor in the fourth quarter when it's clear that the time is winding down? And so we must be aware that we aren't involved in a preseason uh, pre scrimmage right now. That's not what we're playing in. This is the fourth quarter. The clock is ticking. And an eternity spent with Jesus is what is on the line. Why do I say that we're in the fourth quarter? What is it that we know about our present day about this time that we're living in well when we look at the Word of God to see how it describes the last days I think it becomes clear how these descriptions line up with the times that we're currently living in all we have to do is turn to Matthew chapter 24 starting at verse 3 it says as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. And they said, tell us, when will this happen? And when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I'm sure many of us can agree that a lot of those things sound like stuff that we're facing all around the world today. 
We're talking about deception and false messengers. We're, we're talking about wars and talks of wars and one group of people rising up against another, famines and earthquakes. I believe that we are in this last day that he speaks of. When we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud. They'll be abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. They'll be without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. They'll be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. After reading these passages, I'd say that this present time we're living in sounds a lot like the end. And understanding this, as Paul implies, should affect the way that we live our lives. It should call us into a place of holy living. But if I'm being honest, I would venture to say that many of us are living like we don't really believe that Jesus' return is upon us. I think if we're honest, we can recognize that perhaps we aren't putting aside those deeds of darkness as we should, and maybe we aren't putting on the armor of light as we should. I think about what Jesus says about the people that lived during Noah's day. In Matthew 24 and 38, it says, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. We can infer that Noah likely did his part to preach to the people around him, making an effort to help them turn toward God and be saved from the flood. We see in 2 Peter 2.5, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But even with the likeliness that Noah did seek to warn the people of the destruction that was to come, they just went on about their lives as usual. Matthew says they continued eating and drinking, celebrating and having a good time. And so by the time that Noah and his family had entered the ark and that rain started pouring down and flooding the earth, Matthew tells us that all those folks were caught off guard. They weren't ready. They missed their opportunity to put their faith in God and be saved from the flood. And you see, I think that part of their problem also was that they weren't aware of their present time. They went on living their lives with a lack of understanding of the times that they were living in. Here they were drawing closer to what would be the end for them. And yet because they didn't understand the direness of the situation, because they weren't convinced of their need to submit to God, they went on conducting business as usual. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the folks in Noah's day. 
I don't want to have my head so far off in the clouds somewhere during crunch time. I don't want to reject what God is saying in this very day. I don't want to be one of the ones who's oblivious as to what is going on in this present time. And then I find myself going on about my life, doing things my way, calling my own shots, living my life like it's golden. And then I find myself unprepared for that glorious day of salvation. Come on, somebody. I want us to be reminded today that Jesus is coming back and I want to be ready when he comes. Now is not the time to be playing games. There's no pleasure that is worth my soul. There's no career, no amount of money, no measure of fame, no distraction. There is nothing that's worth me throwing away my relationship with Jesus. And the eternity that he is calling me to spend with him, there's nothing that's worth it. Hallelujah. I want to encourage somebody today. You may have found yourself drifting away in sin for a season, but I'm here to nudge you and tell you that you gotta wake up. Quarantine and all the mess that's going on in the world, it may have you feeling like you wanna call it quits, but you gotta shake yourself out of it because it's time to wake up. This is not the time to slumber. This is not the time to be in a spiritual stupor. We've gotta get in it. We've gotta be present. We've gotta be active we've gotta stay connected to the vine in this day hallelujah 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 can we give god praise in this place thank you lord oh thank you jesus it's time for us to wake up and be alert today. Thank you, Lord. It's time for us to be tuned in today. Hallelujah. Everybody these days, they talk about being woke. Y'all ever heard that phrase, woke? It's a popular phrase. Hashtag woke this, hashtag woke that. People got t-shirts. They're proclaiming their wokeness all over the place. People got investigations going on. They want to know if you woke or not. And if you know me, let me just put this in there. If you know me, you know I ain't got a problem with being woke. So I ain't preaching against it. Don't, don't get me twisted. <laughs> but I also want to know if you're spiritually woke. Because, see, while we're on the topic of wokeness. I just want to be woke in the spirit. I want my spiritual eyes to be wide open. I want them to be fixed on Jesus. I want to be able to see how his hand is at work in this present time. I want to know how he's moving right in my midst. Hallelujah. I want to be wide awake. I want my spiritual eyes to be adapted to what God is doing in this hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be awake. I want to be alert. I want to be aware in the spirit. Because if I'm not careful, I could
could find myself drifting into a slumber, disconnected from the move of God, left to my own devices, bogged down by the troubles of this world and sinking into the grips of sin. But I came to tell you today that if you've been feeling a little drowsy lately, if you've been noticing that you're dozing off at the wheel, guess what? It's not too late to wake back up. It's not too late to get back on track. Today is the day to yield to the Lord's prompting. He's calling us today. He's calling us today to be plugged in in this hour because time is winding down. Hallelujah. Can we give God praise like we believe that he's calling us, that he's reaching for us today? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus, have your way today, God. Lord, I pray that you would move on hearts. Oh, God, let our minds be open, Lord, to what your will is right now in this moment. Oh, God, we surrender to your will, God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. When we look back at the text in Romans, Paul does say what one should do in such a time as this. He says in verse 14, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And you notice Paul didn't just say, don't do the things that gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In this day where we are down to the wire, we're not going to be able to prevail in the Holy Spirit if our thought life isn't in check. If you want to know how to do a better job at walking in the spirit and not in your flesh, I submit to you that your thinking is a great place to start. When you find yourself giving consideration to the desires of your flesh and putting thought toward that gratification, you're going to be a lot more likely to actually give in to those desires. And so we have to ask ourselves, then what should we do to keep our thoughts in check? Philippians 4 and 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We have to make a decision today 
that by the power of God's spirit that is within me, my mind will not be dictated by my flesh. My mind will not be given over to the enemy. I'm not going to dwell on temptation. I'm not going to think on things that will cause me to stumble. No, instead I will set my mind on things that are pure, things that are true, things that are right and noble. Hallelujah. And I recognize that that may sound too practical for some of you. But I tell you, it is the word of God. And we know that the word works. And so when I find myself getting upset and in my mind I start thinking about ways that I can get back at so-and-so because they offended me with the way that they looked at me funny, I'm not going to let those thoughts stay there. Instead, I'm going to replace that thought with something pure. I'm going to think about how that person may not have even been looking at me to begin with. Or maybe they were having a bad day and the look on their face had nothing to do with me at all and I know that might sound basic it might sound too simple for some of us but guess what we gotta stop looking for the extravagant and the sensational things to get us through our life's journey part of our problem is that we're looking for God to blow our minds and appease our sensationalism in order to keep us sitting in our pew each week. And all the while, God is calling us to get back to the basics. God is saying those basics are going to keep you. We got to get back to prayer. We got to get back to studying the word. We got to get back to fasting. We got to get back to governing our thoughts and thinking on the things that are right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to get back to those simple things that are going to keep us rooted and grounded in our faith to our Lord. Hallelujah. Because I'm mindful that now is not the time to lose the battle in my mind. Now is not the time to get carried away in my thoughts and in the desires of my flesh. There is too much at stake here. So God, I have made up my mind, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord, I'll get back to the basics. I'll unfollow some accounts on social media. I'll set some boundaries in my relationship. I'll sign up for a Bible study. Lord, I'll show up for Tuesday night prayer. All I know, Lord, is that I love you and I need you and I'm ready to do whatever it takes when you return for your church. God, I want to be in the number. I want to be there to see you face to face, to walk into those gates and live with you for eternity. Come on, can we just pray for a moment? 
God is moving right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, show us what it is that you're requiring of us. Show us what it is, God. Lord, we want to have a mentality that whatever you require, whatever it takes, God, we'll do it, Lord. We'll lay down our lives, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Give us revelation, God, of the present time that we're in, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Paul says, don't indulge in sin, but instead clothe yourselves with Christ. So if I'm wondering, how is it? How is it that I can prevail over the weaknesses of my flesh? The answer is that I need to clothe myself in Christ. How is it that I can live in the light despite all the darkness that surrounds me? The answer is that we must clothe ourselves in Christ. This idea of putting on Christ, it makes me think of Ephesians 6 and 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So how is it that we are able to stand our ground in this evil day. We do it by clothing ourselves in Christ, by putting on the whole armor of God. Oh, come on, somebody. We got to buckle the belt of truth around our waist. We got to grab the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure you're laced up with the gospel of peace. Take your shield of faith out. Put on the helmet of salvation and go forward wielding the sword of the spirit what am I saying to us this morning I'm saying that it is time to wake up and get dressed. It's time to wake up and suit up. Dress yourself with the armor of God because we're not going to make it with PJs on. Oh, no, in case you haven't noticed, there's a war going on. And I'm not talking about a physical war. I'm talking about a spiritual one. That's why Ephesians 6.12, it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms in case you didn't know I'm letting you know right now that there is a battle that is taking place it is a spiritual battle and so we have to put on the armor of God 
We must put on the full armor of God. Verse 11 says that we put on that full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. I'm telling you, the devil would love for you to fall asleep in the middle of this war. He would love for you to become desensitized and numb to how dire these times are that we are living in. It's a part of his plan. It is the plan of the enemy for us to let down our guard and to throw in the towel instead of getting dressed for the battle. And I want to encourage somebody today. In case you thought that all your strength was gone, in case you felt like every pit hole that you fell into, that it doomed you and that you've become too far from God, I want to encourage you today, you can make it to the end. You can be victorious in Christ Jesus. Just cling on to him and he'll take you all the way. Just put on the full armor. Just learn how to pray. Learn how to seek his face and he's going to keep you until the end can we give God praise like we believe that can you give God praise like you believe that the musicians can come we're just wrapping this thing up God we just want you to have your way oh in the name of Jesus